Hello and welcome back to the Paddock's Pick podcast. Uh, we're not long after the Cheltenham Festival. Delighted to be joined once again on the line by Charlie Post. How are you, Charlie? Yeah, very good, Dom. Yeah, Prop Check Cheltenham was a brilliant week last week. And yeah, looking to the future, the Grand National will be next. So yeah, it's, uh, it's all full steam ahead of this time of year. Absolutely right. Yeah, we're uh, very much looking forward to the National. Uh, and also our guest uh, this week, Grey One winning trainer, Ollie Murphy. Thanks for your time, Ollie. How are you, Don? Okay. All good, mate. Yeah, you're on the way to Ludlow, you were just saying. I am, and my signal's great now, so I get cut off, I'll be back. I'll be back with you. <laughs> Fantastic. No, it's great to hear. It's uh, probably a really, really good time for you to uh, to join us, especially after uh, after yesterday with the uh, the three-time at market raise and the horses are, are in flying form, aren't they? Yeah, they're in good nick, thank God. Uh, we, we kind of saved a lot of horses for the sprint for a bit of nicer ground and thank god they're in good nick and uh yeah it's one of those times at the moment the old saying if you ran the yard cat at the moment it'll probably win but uh you have to enjoy it while it lasts absolutely right because you had a fairly quiet christmas spell didn't you i, I did i actually flew back to all mine over christmas so i actually i barely ran a horse over christmas bar one or two so it was a it was a brave call at the time but it was something i decided to do and uh yeah, listen, it, it was uh, it was grand. I just had to just had to bear with it for a, for a while, but uh, yeah, they're in good form now, and uh, long may it continue. Fantastic. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk more about that. Uh, Charlie, yourself, I saw on your Twitter feed, um, you, you didn't have the best experience with the horse this week, did you? No, well, you, know, you fell out of bed, Dom. To be honest, it was a it was average bit of riding, but yeah, horse did a twisted tail, and I sort of came out the side door and had a head cam on while I was doing it, and. Uh, yeah, the the guy that was doing the sort of the, the recording and all that decided it would be a good idea to re- to release it on social media, and it brought a few laughs and a bit of stick, which was well deserved. To be honest, so there we go. You were you, you seemed to land on your feet all right though, didn't you? Like quite literally, it, it didn't look uh, like it was it was too detrimental a kind of moment for you. Plenty of practice. When you fall off as often as I do, you become pretty adept <laughs> at landing on your feet. So uh, yeah, no, it's in a. Fortunately, well, it wasn't anything major, and yeah, landed on my feet, kept hold of the horse, and uh, the, the, the job carried on. So no, it was all, no, no harm done. And it's it's kind of back to the work and, and grind for you now, especially after you know after after last week and 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 the Cheltenham Festival, uh, being there and broadcasting there. Can you just kind of describe the was it a bit of an eeriness in the air? Would you say? Yeah, it was, it was very strange. I mean, look, racing needed a, a shot in the arm after some average stories in recent weeks. And, and we got that with some fantastic racing, some superstar horses putting in blockbuster performances. But there's no doubt being there, it, it was odd. I mean, uh, I'm fortunate to do the co-commentary with John Hunt on Five Live. And so up in the commentary box, you'd normally be stood there looking out over the lawn at Cheltenham with people crushed in like sardines. And, and I can assure you, almost at every race, there would be no more than five people out in front of the grandstand and the, the biggest noise was from the the on-course race course commentator that was echoing through the stands and it, it was pretty strange and even after the winners the the Irish staff who were stabled over near the best mate enclosure which is the stand in the middle of the track sort of alongside the winning post would come out and there'd only be sort of, there'd only be maybe 20 of them to cheer the winners back in but because it was so empty it sort of echoed round the place and, and it, it was it was a strange time, and, and look, hopefully, please God, we don't have to experience it again, again and we can have 50,000, 60,000 people back there next season, you know? Yeah, quite right. Um, again, o- Ollie, we, we obviously spoke to you on a, on Cheltenham.co.uk uh, just, just before the festival. You, you kind of made it clear that you've got a very, very young, you know, squad almost uh, back at the yard, and, and that maybe it was more in hope 
rather than than expectation uh, at this year's festival. But there's you know some, uh, still a, a fantastic meeting uh, at the Aintree Grand National Festival just in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and one horse I did want to speak to you about was, of course, Brewing Up a Storm, who won the National Spirit at Fontwell. How's how's he before uh, heading up to Merseyside? Yeah, he's in he's in great form. Um, he stayed away from Cheltenham, which in hindsight was a was a blessing. He's going to go to go to Aintree, a, a fresh horse, and uh, a little bit of sun in his back, doing him no harm. And yeah, he's in he's in fantastic form. Really looking forward to running him and. He just looks like he's got his old mojo back, and I think he's going to have improved again from from Fontwell. And uh, yeah, we really look forward to running him. It was almost because it was it, it felt like a, a big decision to make to have to step him so sort of back down over hurdles, and and then I suppose the, the manner of his win uh, at Taunton, you know, carrying eleven stone twelve last time, uh, that that just has, has given him his confidence back. You would say, yeah, most definitely, and. I think Charlie is a is an ex jockey would be the best person to to explain it. But it's amazing how how fences can can give horses an awful fright, especially at big meetings such as as Cheltenham. If you get a bad fright, it's it's very very hard to get a horse's confidence back. And he got a very bad fright in the Arkle, and it just took him a few runs now, and he fell out of love with fences. And it was say it was do or die with an explanation an overreaction but coming back over hurdles with him it was it, it was a case of hoping it would work more than knowing it would work and thank god he took to, took to it like a duck to water again and he's got his confidence back and we've, we've we've got our old horse back which is great absolutely right um will there be any any of your other stable stars that you think you'll you'll run at aintree um i think listen itchy feet's been away for some intensive schooling down at henrietta nights he's obviously had a, a fairly disappointing year we, we dropped him back over hurdles the last day and Again, I don't think it, it, it sparked much of a revival, but he's got some good chasing form to his name this year, albeit he hasn't been jumping with any fluency. So he may well get away and treat, whether it be over fence or over hurdles, I'm not sure. But he's in good form again, Miss Cheltenham, and uh, he'll, uh, he'll plan to go there. Um, Thomas Darby had no race in the Coral Cup. It was a disaster for us as he was ridden patiently and there was no pace in the race whatsoever. So he came back a fresh horse, albeit nothing went right for him so whether he'll run the handicap or run in the three mile grade one I don't know but I'm very very keen to step him up to three miles um, so he was a horse I thought could go and run very well there after not having a hard race and I've um, a few bumper horses to run a few horses for handicaps um, so yeah I'll have a have a bigger team for Aintree um, as you said earlier I've got a got a real young team of horses and uh, next year's going to be a, a hopefully a more lucrative year for me kind of at these festivals than this year yeah, like you say, you, you're still, um, you know, almost barely four years into sort of being a, a, a full-time trainer, aren't you? So it's, uh, like you say, it's, it's still relatively early days and uh, with a crowd next year. And hopefully, obviously, the, the Cheltenham Festival for yourself will be, you know, a, a better experience. But I'm sure, obviously, uh, Aintree will, will, will hopefully su- supply some goods for you still. Um, Charlie, we'll, we'll talk just over the, the, the kind of the championship races uh, at the Cheltenham Festival. We'll start with the champion hurdle. Uh, honeysuckle. There was there was maybe some question marks with with the drying ground. You know whether she'd kind of get that two mile trip and, and see it out, but she ended up being one of the most you know impressive winners of the week. Yeah, fabulous performance, wasn't it? I mean, um, we were all well. People were posing question marks earlier in the season about whether she could handle the drop back to two mile in top class company. She did that in the Irish Champion Hurdle with a plum, and then it was all oh, maybe the ground drying out. Can there be horse with more speed than her? Epiton, Goshen, and and again, she showed that to be all wrong. Rachel Blackmore was able to give her an uncomplicated ride, and 
she really stamped authority on the race and she's still unbeaten, isn't she? So she just keeps on winning and, and right now you're, you're looking for what's coming through and it's going to take a very good horse to lower her colours, I think, because she, she seems to be jumping better than ever for me. And, you know, the coming, dropping back the two-mile, I think, has actually improved her jumping. It's made her even sharper still. And she's just so adaptable, tactically versatile. And the race has depth. You know, Charge has been placed in it before, and he was second. And Epiton, the reigning champion, was third. And I, I don't think Epiton have that many excuses, really, mm-hmm. at all. And Honeysuckle was just a resounding winner. The only disappointment in the race was Goshen putting in a, a thoroughly sort of horrible performance and showing the other side to his character and mm. Jamie Moore performed miracles to be able to keep him on the track and you'd imagine yeah. it'd be the last time we'd see him left-handed round Chapman and it was going to be right-handed all the way for him now Dom. Yeah he was uh, he was he was halfway to Cleve Hill I think wasn't he at one point it was uh, it was quite bizarre to be uh, to watch the ITV coverage of it all but, but like you say disappointing still that uh, you know we kind of thought that he was the the leading hope of almost you know from Britain against these 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 two talented mares well, and, and obviously Honeysuckle uh, it proved the class apart in the end. Um, it was another mayor, obviously, who stole the headlines um, the the day after uh, with with put the kettle on. Uh, Aidan Coleman proving uh, just exactly what kind of you know top class jockey he is for for Ollie to to, to have at the yard. And, and, and Ollie, it was a, a, another fantastic ride. Like I say, he had a hat trick for you uh, for you just yesterday. Uh, you know, a, a week on from that that brilliant performance uh, in, in the Champion Chase. We may well have uh, have lost Ollie just temporarily, Charlie. Um, yeah, he's, he's somewhere, he's somewhere out in the wilderness. <laughs> in he's <Cochier>, yeah. <laughs> he certainly is. Um, yeah, but put the kettle on. Uh, four-time course and distance winner at, at Cheltenham now. She just never knows when she's beat there, does she? No, I mean, I thought she got a good ride. They, I, I, for me, watching, they didn't go overly quick in the race, and she was ideally positioned. Mm. And as you said, she's she is deadly round Cheltenham, four from four now, and she's. She's not over big. She, she's very nippy around the turn. She's got good ability to travel and jump and, and ideal attributes suited to Cheltenham. And, and she put all that to use to become champion chaser. And it was one of those, she might always be vulnerable on those big galloping tracks in Ireland, mm. Leopardstown to name a few, to name one. But certainly around Cheltenham, you have to write her off at her peril, and she's very, very good around there, isn't she, Dom? She certainly is. Yeah, she, uh, I think the thing is, Shaq on Poursoir, for me, he, he seems to jump and, uh, and travel really, really well throughout the race. And uh, again, uh, you, you talk about Epiton Charlie with with not really having many excuses. I don't really think Shaq on Poursoir had many excuses either, did he? I don't think he did. I mean, for me, I just wonder if it, a stronger gallop. I don't know what Ollie thinks might have helped him. I just thought he, he travelled almost overly strong throughout the race as if he was almost wanted to go quicker than Paul Townend wanted him to. Mm. And maybe would he would he have been benefited from an even stronger gallop? I'm not sure. But like you say, from a point of view of a run through the race, he he he, he had a clean passage through and and just didn't have it in him up the hill after looking like he'd win at the bottom of it, didn't he? He certainly did. Um, the the seven pound mayor's allowance of course is it is quite a topic for conversation, isn't it? We saw obviously Honeysuckle and put the kettle on the, you know, the, the Henry de Bromhead duo uh, taking these championship races. Do you think there will come a time where it maybe gets, you know, less than to five, four pound? Or do you think seven pound just helps keep these races competitive? I mean, it's up for debate, isn't it? I mean, like, there's certainly what we what we do know is, is a very talented mayor getting seven is a dangerous combination. Um, you know, the allowance is there and they've worked very hard 
bringing in more and more mares races to encourage people to to keep them in training and race them and we're we're seeing the the, the fruit of that with with so many talented mares in recent seasons should it be reduced it, it, it's an interesting discussion i mean i i do think it's risky because like i say you want competitive races and 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 having these mares in training adds an extra dimension to it. Have we got Ollie back? I don't know what his thoughts are on that. Um, I think we may have just lost him for the time being. Um, he, <laughs> he's <laughs> like I say, he's out somewhere in the middle of Shropshire, isn't he? So uh, we may get back onto him. I'll um, I'll keep an eye and I'll I'll maybe try and dial him back in. Um, but so, uh, yeah, as in, like but going back to the mares, you know. It, 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 there's no doubt when you have a very talented one, seven pounds seems too much, doesn't it? And yeah. and look, maybe there's an argument once they've won a, a grade one in open company, Dom, that maybe it goes from seven to four or something. If you'd like, so it's like a sliding scale mm. that therefore that the better they are or the less, that the more prolific they become at grade one level, the less of an allowance they get might be an interesting alternative. I, I don't know. I think just to scrap it would be a mistake. Mm. And, and yeah, I, I just wondered whether you could have it on a sliding scale. So they get a seven pound allowance in open company until they've won a grade one. And maybe that reduces to four and then two, if and then two, once they've won two or three grade ones, maybe yep. they could be creative with it to make it a more of a level playing field. I don't know. What's your thoughts? I think that's a, that's potentially a very very good strategy. Um, like you say, almost kind of the the weights are, are almost allocated on merit. It's almost like a bit of a, a handicap kind of feel, isn't it? Um, yeah. But when you've got the likes of, of Honeysuckle, who obviously has, has never lost a race, um, it, it would be interesting almost just to see off level weights how she'd fare against you know a, a, a charger or a, I know obviously Abacadabra um, sort of fell at the, at the third or fourth flight. I think it was, wasn't it? Um, but it, it, again, it, it would just, it, I think from a racing perspective, it would be very, very interesting just just to see how it would kind of pan out. And, and if she still won off-level weights, then there'd be no no, uh, no question mark, would there? So um, I think that's, a, that's an interesting um, interesting debate. And I'm, I'm sure it's, it's one that will continue way beyond Cheltenham and, and, and all the way through kind of into the, the upcoming seasons uh, ahead of us. Um it was the Henry de Bromhead and, and, and well, it was the Rachel Blackmore and Henry de Bromhead show kind of all the way through the week. Uh, but Gavin Cromwell's flooring Porter won the stayers. Uh, it was a really, really good front running uh, display. He's, he's only six as well, this horse, Charlie. Uh, he's still got a lot of scope, for, you know, for improvement, you'd think as well. Without doubt. I mean, um, I think, again, this is one of these cases where the form was smacking you in the face as in his, you know, his, his defeat of, um, of, side of Burley at Leopardstown over Christmas but it was almost like we didn't want to believe it and, and the feeling that he was rated 95 sort of less than two years ago and he's, he's come through the handicap ranks and developed into this grade one performer but there was this overriding thought that side of Burley Paisley Park would improve past him at Cheltenham because he kind of maybe lacked that quality where well, he proved that all wrong as you said under a very good front running ride from Standing jockey Danny Mullins. Now, I think we have to, at this point, you know, give commiserations to Jonathan Moore because he's missed yeah. out on two Grade One winners at this Cheltenham Festival, and they're hard to come by for any rider. And and it must have been a real, it must have been very hard for him to swallow. And he was very gracious in his interviews, in spite of all that. But Danny Mullins, racing proves that often one person's misfortune is another one's fortune, and yeah. he stepped into it and, and delivered. I think it was his first Cheltenham Festival winner. And to win the the Stayers hurdle was fantastic, and Florian Porter's performance was was excellent, and he beat all the right horses inside of Burley and Paisley Park, and 
there didn't look a lot of fluke about it. I, again, he's, he's, it seems like he's a slightly kinky character. There'd been discussions that they were worried there was no inside rail as there is at, at Leopardstown because he goes left badly and hangs left. And they were worried that on the new course there at Cheltenham that where you're running from two out to the last, there's a long distance of racing with, with no rail to help guide you. But he didn't really show a lot of that. And, and he, he, he stamped his authority on the contest and won in resounding fashion. And as you said, as a six-year-old, I don't see any reason why he's not going to be around for a good few years to come and, and continue to to make his mark at the highest level. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I, mean, I think you, you were a side of Burley fan before uh, the race. Is that right, Charlie? That's right, yeah, I was, yeah. Uh, and if I'm being completely honest, I thought he actually you know, outperformed uh, the expectations. Of, I, I think that the, the point for him is that he's just so primed for this time of year and, and this course, for whatever reason, just plays into his, you know, his hands so well. He's another one again that even over maybe the next you know one or two seasons that's that's going to be a kind of you know a, a real feature in this race you'd think and the kind of a lot of the eggs will we'll put in the basket for for Paisley Park almost being the you know this would be the one race that that Britain would get a winner and yet it was still an Irish an Irish one too wasn't it and uh, I think that, that that was kind of just the sign of the week for us really as kind of British horse racing fans. Oh, without I mean without question I mean. Uh, I think, to be fair, by the time we got to this stage of the week, we knew the right was on the wall in, in, in no uncertain terms. And we were hoping we could pick up a, a few winners here and there just to give the scoreline respectability. And we didn't even manage that. And I, look, Sider Burley, he's come, Sider Burley's come through the handicap ranks. I mean, his, his performance in, in, in last year's attempts was, was arguably a, a better performance than Lisnagar Oscar in, in the stayers yeah. on the times and everything. So mm. he came in there with good credentials as well. And, and for me, I, I I didn't feel he had any real excuses, being honest. He he, he, he was sort of mid-division, which is his way. He was on and off the bridle, but he was plenty close enough, if good enough. And, and, and Florin Porter was, was, was a resounding winner for me in this contest. And... Again, the Irish domination continued. We'll, we'll kind of move on to the the talking points. Obviously, with the Presbury Cup final being being twenty three five, and it was so convincing. Um, Jack Kennedy, I, I think, probably would have would have won a lot. I mean, he's he's a young jockey, and he's obviously very talented. But I think people would have had a lot more respect for him almost after the way he, he went and won the Gold Cup on Manella Rindo, particularly after the uh, obviously the, the surprise fall of Envoy Allen on the Thursday. It, you know, it, it takes you'd imagine it take guts to you know pick yourself off the floor literally and and go and ride a Gold Cup winner the next day. And he, he's only twenty two. I mean, he, he's got some heart, hasn't he? He has, and he's had a lot of. For a young man that's only 22, he's had a lot of injuries as well and, and misfortune to go along with his unbelievable record. I mean, I think he's had about 25 grade one winners already, which for, yeah. for a, a man of that age is, is, is incredible, really. And I mean, look, his, his Gold Cup ride was a lovely, smooth ride on a horse that jumped and travelled best of all. But let, I mean, let's not forget from um, Mount Ida on uh, the day before, mm. it was the day before in, in, in the Kim Muir, which was a ride of the highest calibre, one, one of the very best. Cheltenham festival rides I've seen in all honesty and yeah, yeah I mean he, he, like like I say he, he doesn't need plaudits from me he, he, he's right there at the top of his game and and this was was him keeping things simple that the Malella Indo like I say traveled best and jumped best in this field and and won in comfortable fashion I mean I, I do feel if Apple side had got any closer to him he'd have kept pulling out more and and 
again, I think you have to say Henry de Bromhead had a phenomenal week. I mean, first trainer ever to win the Champion Hurdle, Champion Chase and the Gold mm-hmm. Cup at one festival. And this was a, another example of it. I mean, it would have been difficult to see Manel Arendo winning the Gold Cup after the, the fall at Leopardstown at Christmas and then the lacklustre display in the Irish Gold Cup yeah. behind Kenboy and it, it, it's, it's excellent training to get him there in this health and, and to, to have him bounce back like this. And, and again, he now looks a, a young horse that, that could be around for a few years to come and, and, and add another dimension to the stay and chase division. And, and cause he looked very good. You know, he did look very good and, hmm. and people will look to the fact that probably the one wrong decision Rachel Blackmore made all week was riding Apple star. But, to me, I think that's a bit harsh. I mean, I think any jockey worth their salt would have, on form, picked Aplutard over Manella Rindo. And you could see, you could sense, though, in the post-race interviews, there was a an air of frustration from her for all the success that she'd had, that she'd missed out on the biggest prize of all, Dom. Do you think, uh, if you were in her position, Charlie, and you'd had the, up until that point, I think it was the six winners at that point across the week, uh, and and you could swap those six for a gold cup. Would you say yes or no? It's a good question. I mean, I, I wouldn't swap six winners in the champion hurdle for the gold cup. Mm. I mean, I, I think it's a it would be a massive trade off. But the gold cup is for the for the for the purest. It, it's jump racing's biggest prize. It's the blue ribbon of the sport, yeah. and you don't get many chances to win a gold cup. And and yes, she'll be pleased for the team of Henry de Bromhead, who's been such an integral part of her meteoric rise but there's no doubt you could sense as the intense competitor that she is that it it rankled that she was on the wrong one on this day because like I said you just don't know how many shots you're going to get at it I mean Rachel Blackmore is one of the top riders in the in the weighing room in fact she's probably riding best of all out of anyone in the weighing room right now Mm. but you still that's still no guarantee that you're going to get another shot at winning a gold cup absolutely right um Charlie, a few quick fire uh, questions here for you that I've just kind of prepared. Um, you can go into as much depth as you want or as little depth as you want. I just want to get your opinions. Um, so based on what you saw last week, uh, the performance of the festival would go to? It's such a tough question because there were so many good performances. Uh, if you ask me to, I think, I think I'm going to plump for... Bob Ollinger in the, in the Ballymore just because I felt it was the re- the novice hurdle with the most depth of the entire week. Yeah. And I just thought to be so keen early. I mean, Rachel Blackmore did incredibly well to stop him from almost completely running away. And you don't see many horses that keen through the early part of a, a festival grade one to then look like they've positively jumped in running down the two out and, you know, let's be under no illusions. Paul Nichols has compared Brave Man's game to being the best horse that he's had since Denman. Yeah. And Bob Ollinger toyed with him and put daylight between him and very talented rivals in Gillard de Montiel and Bear Gills and Brave Man's game. And and he looked the sort of horse that if Honeysuckle wasn't around, he could easily go down the champion hurdle route. Mm. And if not, he's going to be favourite for the Arkle or the two and a half mile novice chase at next year's festival and he really does look to have the world at his feet. And he, he almost looked a bit keen at stages early I thought as well he was uh, 
uh, Rachel was having a, a, a bit of a, you know a few issues almost just just kind of keeping him cool and uh, yeah that's what I mean is to, to be that keen early on in a festival grade one yeah. and then still delivering a finishing effort like he did mm. it rates him out as a, as a massively above average performer yeah completely agree um, I, I may know the answer to this already uh, but I'm, I'm going to ask you still for your your ride of the week yeah I mean I'm I'm going to go for um, Mount. Either I think narrowly. I mean, we saw we saw some we saw some corking rides, but I not narrowly actually. I mean, I just think for for, for like I say for for a horse's jumping and confidence to unravel so quickly. I mean, Ollie spoke about um, is that brewing up a storm and how how easy it is for horses to lose confidence. And mm. this was in a festival handicap, the, some of the most competitive racing of all. For her to lose her confidence like she did. But for Jack Kennedy to have the composure to be patient, use his skills to help her rebuild her confidence and not rush her back into the contest too soon, let it build and build and build throughout the race and then deliver her at the perfect moment. I just thought it would like to say it was a it was a ride of undoubted class. And yes, you need the performer and, and Mount Ida might go on in the future to show she's so much better than, 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 you know, the, the mark that she was given the other day mm. of a one four two, but you you've still got to have a rider to be able to deliver on that, and, and Jack Kennedy did on the biggest stage of all the Cheltenham Festival. Yeah, he certainly did. Um, it's strange that she, she she was struggling so much and and just won so easy in the end. I mean, it was mm. <laughs> it, it was remarkable to watch, wasn't it? I mean, I, I'd thought maybe by the close of play on Wednesday that his ride on Galvin um, probably would have been. Um, you know, you know, tough, tough to beat. Uh, but it, I think he went one further on Mount Ida. I think, I think you're absolutely right. It was, uh, it was quite astonishing to watch. Um, your, your race of the week, Charlie. Uh, the Gold Cup would be my race of the week. I think you know, as in, I, I, I just thought it, it, it really delivered as a spectacle. We had all the right ones coming to the fore, and and like it just, I just thought it was, a, it was a captivating race to watch. We had. Champ completely fluff his lines. Santini deliver a completely lacklustre performance in first-time headgear. But after that, you know, you had the lovely old stager in Native River being placed in a, in a mm. fourth Gold Cup, even though the ground wasn't so enough for him. And then yeah. you had the Henry de Bromhead duo, Manello Indo and Atletard coming to the fore with the, the two-time winner, Abel and Photo, chasing them up. And... and it probably wasn't the story that everyone was expecting. We were we were maybe all hoping for either a Rachel Blackmore victory on Aplutard or Album Photo win this third Gold Cup. But yep. I just thought, as a spectacle, it, it was a it was a really great race. And after it, it, it was sort of it left me sort of tingling for a while afterwards, which is which is what you're looking for in top class racing. Absolutely right. Um, I think that's very well put. Gold Cup, I think, would be the race of the week for me as well. And uh, just a final one. A horse that won at this year's festival that will also win at next year's festival. Well, I mean, the worry is there were plenty of them, and there were plenty <laughs> of Irish ones. Um, look, if, if you if you, I'm I'm going to chuck Monkfish in there. I mm-hmm. think he can go to the highest level and win a Gold Cup. I mean, I I actually think of all the novice winners, he was probably the least impressive, and and showed maybe the the disadvantage of of going round in second gear in, in your trial races round different, very different tracks to Cheltenham. Mm. And, and Cheltenham over fences almost caught him out a bit, the turns yep. and the up and down nature of it. And, and poor Town then refreshingly said, you know, he and I just weren't on the same page. 
Paul asked him to come up on long strides and he and Monkfish put down and made mistakes and a couple of times Paul Townend sat still wanting Monkfish to go in on a short stride and Monkfish came up out of his hands and yep. so they, they weren't on the same page he made plenty of mistakes but we're saying that he still ran out a six, six length victor of a mm. festival grade one yep. and I really think he can go to the highest level and, and I, I've made no secret of the fact that I love the horse so I'm going to say Monkfish to go and win next year's Gold Cup but I think my overriding feeling from last year's festival is I could chuck probably half a dozen at you, the mm. Shishkins Bob Ollingers Honeysuckle, that there's a stack of them that could all go out and repeat this year's victory. Sagar hard, do you know what I mean? It yeah. was it was a it was a festival of of serious quality mm. across the board that, and quality that delivered. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because I think I have actually already backed Monkfish for next year's Gold Cup, so I'm a I'm feeling a, a little bit more confident now. I must say. Um, it, it, we we probably have to discuss the the Presbury uh, Cup score, Charlie. You know, twenty three five in in favour of Ireland. Um, it's it's maybe quite a relief that, that that Ollie's maybe not even on the line anymore because <laughs> there's, there's obviously been a not not so much a backlash, but you know, from the, the British you know trainer perspective, it, it, it was obviously a, a very very damaging defeat for you know the visitors a, a, across the sea to to come over and take 23 of of the 28 races. What was your kind of immediate thoughts in in the aftermath? And it, it's a strange one because we almost expected it to happen, but we maybe didn't think it would be quite as bad as that. Yeah, I think that's well put. I mean, my feeling, right, of course, afterwards, I was highly disappointed. In that, you know, I suppose if you're looking at it that you're just wanting to see quality horses run, well, we saw that in spades. But if you're a competitive person, and, and I'm British, and I want to see the, the Brits have the success, or certainly have a lion's share of it, and, and it was a, it was embarrassing, the final scoreline. We've got fantastic trainers in this country, uh, so I don't think it's a, it's an issue. It's it's a fact that there's better trainers in Ireland, far from it. But there are flaws within the system. I think myself that, in, and this has been coming for a few years, Dom. You know, as in yeah. it, it, from sort of being all square five or six years ago, it's been gradually building up to here. And and yes, as you said, we probably didn't expect it to be quite so resounding. But I don't know many people who didn't think we'd go into this week and get and wouldn't get hammered by the Irish because the writing was on the wall, anti-post with with all the strong hand that they had. Um, there's probably people far more intelligent than me that 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 know the answers. But I think there's 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 many smaller things have come together to create it. I think possibly that is there too much racing in Britain and too much focus on ordinary racing rather than quality. Uh, are there too many graded races like that that, mm. that mean that the the better horses can avoid each other? Yeah. Do we need to have more of a a, a festival sort of in between Christmas and Cheltenham like they do in, in for the Dublin Fest, Dublin Racing Festival at Leopardstown? Mm. I, and uh, you know if, uh, even if you look at say like the two and a half mile novice hurdle structure, there's three or four options around Christmas with the Challow the grade two at Warwick, the grade two on trials day, where all these two and a half mile novice hurdlers can avoid each other. Yeah. Whereas in Ireland, there's very few options to stop, to, to, to prevent them coming together and taking each other on. And I do feel that it would be, it would add far more spice to the British racing season. If we saw these better horses come out and, and run against each other rather than protecting unbeaten records. 
and you also then have to look beyond it and think, well, there's a lot of money in Ireland with the owners at the moment. And so they are by nature able to buy more quality. And yeah. if you have the best horses, you win the most races. It, that, that is a fact since time immemorial and you're never going to get away from that. But also if you're a new investor to the sport and you look at it, the, the Cheltenham Festival is your mecca as it is to most jump racing fans. Well, you're going to look to Ireland because in recent times, the most prolific trainers, bar Nicky Henderson at the festival, are Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott, Denise Foster, the Caluntra House team, and Henry de Bromhead. And also, when you look, when you then add to that that the prize money day in, day out is far better in Ireland, yep. and possibly even the training fees are less. You can see why the money gravitates over there right now. Mm. And so I think the British trainers are hugely competitive and I, they will be rankled by this more than anyone. are going to have to get their heads together and, and see can we make changes to make positive steps to redress the balance. Because even if it's done right now, it's going to take a few years to filter through. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point you make um, about training fees and course the, the probably the best example that you could use is is Cheveley Parkhouse Stud who of course are based in, in in Newmarket and when they kind of moved into international hunt they they deployed you know their horses a, a, across you know three three yards all, all based in Ireland um exactly yeah which almost again as you say that that, that just emphasizes the point even more there was an, an interesting one I, I was um just taking a look ahead of the the Grand National Festival uh and obviously Pam Sly's Eileen Dover looks like she'll be she'll be going to Aintree for the bumper uh she beat uh Grand G the horse of, of Willie Mullins by um just I think it was just over eight lengths uh albeit in in receipt of about uh, seven pound I believe it was uh, in a race at, at market raising that was worth twenty thousand uh, pound, Grand G then went to Leopardstown for the Dublin Racing Festival and, and won a race that was worth a hundred thousand euro. Um, yeah. So it, again, it's a it's probably a a wider um, issue that, that 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 needs taking you know a look into. Well, I saw Luke Harvey talk about the the kind of more modest horses. Does the British program just accommodate you know more to them as opposed to the, these really top class? Of course. Yeah. yeah, and that, that, that you're, you're very right. And look, prize money is an issue that, you know, it's going to take better minds than certainly mine to address because it, it, this is something that's steeped in racing history, the way that, that it's modelled. Um, and then you also have to look to the handicap system. I think over the last five or six years, I, I read something the other day that the average rating of a horse in, in Britain has improved by five or six pounds. And, and you have to look, are we playing on a level playing field when it comes to the handicaps of the Irish horses? I mean, the results would suggest resoundingly not as well, which makes it more difficult. And I, I don't, again, I don't know how you regress that, but there, there are certainly a number of things tilted against British trainers succeeding at the festival right now that are going to have to change. Otherwise, we're probably facing a prolonged period of Irish dominance. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I suppose that's that's probably a, a good note to a good a good note to just halt the uh, the Cheltenham Festival talk. Otherwise, we might be getting a bit depressed. But um, it yeah. it was yeah. obviously um, sad news uh, yesterday, Charlie, in, in in the world of horse racing. Um, Shay Kandan Al Maktoum, um sadly passing away at the age of seventy five, and of course, only in recent you know memory we, we've lost um, Prince Khalid Abdullah, uh, and of course, David Thompson of of, of Cheveley Park House stood as well. So uh, obviously, a, a sad day for the sport. Yeah, without doubt. I mean, like his collars are iconic, and for most people that are fans of the sport, you he, a bit like Khalid Abdullah, you, you've grown up 
following a sort of uh, a passage of his horses through through time, if you will, from you know me as a youngster like with Nashwan and Deja and Erhab through to you know Nayef and, and modern day greats that like Batash. That his is like I say he he's been associated with iconic horses and and his colours are one of those sort of iconic few that you instantly recognise and and what a huge benefactor racing has been from his investment across the board and and it will be interesting to see how the Shadwell operation moves forward and you're hoping it continues through his family but I I don't I don't know whether how how interested they are and, and it, it it's an uncertain time isn't it because um, yep. You know, losing, like you say, Khalid Abdullah and Hamdan Amatoum, people like that, they're very hard to replace them. They certainly are. Uh, very, very influential figures. And obviously, you know, they, they, they kind of work across the board. It's not just all about ownership, is it? It's it's, it's breeding as well. And it's it's obviously a, a massive role these, you know, the, these these people play uh, in both the flat world and the jump world as well. So a, a very sad day. Um, and then I suppose just, just to kind of conclude, Charlie, we'll, we'll look ahead now because we are only two weeks away from the Grand National, the uh, obviously the, the 2020 renewal uh, being abandoned as a, as a result of the ongoing uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, but we've got that to look forward to in just over a couple of weeks. Are you, are you heading north for Five Live? I'm not, unfortunately. It, 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 the, we're still um, COVID restricted there because the commentary box at, at Aintree is significantly smaller. So with uh, the socially distanced world we live in, it wouldn't be possible to accommodate Hunty and myself in there together safely. So no, I'm going to be watching it from home this 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 year, which is a yeah sad times. But uh, look, I'm sure the racing will be very exciting nonetheless. Certainly will. Um, I've just an article. Obviously, for anyone listening, feel free to go to angie.co.uk and take a read. Um, there's there's some horses that uh, obviously Ollie, who we lost on the line uh, with brewing up a storm. There's some really really you know good horses that have bypassed Cheltenham Festival. They've taken the the big decision to to sort of move away from Presbury Park and and head to Merseyside ahead um, uh, as as a result. Uh, are there any horses that you're looking forward to seeing how they cope with uh, with the track? I mean, we've got obviously. Uh, Boober Dare, well, Boober Dare obviously is, is, is more than proven enough at Aintree. Um, he's going to be heading for the, I think, the grey one over two and a half miles on the on the first day. We've got Monmoral of Paul Nichols, My Drogo of, of Dan Skelton. There's some really, really top-class horses heading there, isn't there? There are some top-class horses. I mean, I, I think, you know, what we're seeing is that, that they are, they bypass Aintree, uh, Shelton to head to Aintree because of how dominant I think the Irish look to be coming into the festival yeah. and you you know you hope you're going to be rewarded I mean my Drago as you as you said um for Dan Skelton he he looks potentially top class doesn't he I mean he, his his performance uh, it was a Kelso on it on his last start was yep. was, was very taking and and I mean he, he Looking for, I'm not seeing him in the flesh, but he, he looks to have all the scope to be a chaser for the future as well. But mm. I can't wait to see him at Aintree. Um, I don't know if Ollie mentioned him, but I, I think he's got a lovely horse that we broke in at the yard called Go Dante that was very impressive at Wincanton on his recent debut that might yeah. run the bumper up there. And um, there's another horse that we broke in of Nicky Henderson's that ran a smashing race at Sandown called Tweet Skirt in the listed mare's bumper there on very soft ground. And mm-hmm. I think some nicer ground that Aintree will suit her and she might go in the in the graded mare's bumper up there. So plenty to keep us interested. And, and yeah, it'll, it'll soon be here. And before you know it, it'll be 
the end of the season and, it, and it, we'll be waiting for it all to come back round again, Dom. Quite right. Uh, and just for the big one, uh, like I said, there will likely be more discussion. Um, are you swaying one way or the other for, for the national itself? Uh, cloth cap, a, a worthy favourite at this stage? Yeah, I mean, I haven't got a strong opinion now, mate, because I'd like to see more what's going to be confirmed nearer to the stage. But it is hard to get away from cloth cap, isn't it? I mean, his credentials are are taking you know, as a, a, a Labrooks Trophy winner. Mm. And, you know, he was very good then at Kelso the other day. He's, he's, he's able to run off his mark of 148. It's now been reassessed and he's rated 162. So in theory, he's 14 pounds well in. He's trained by a man that knows how to win the race in John Joe O'Neill Jr. Uh, John Joe O'Neill Jr. John Joe O'Neill. And he's owned by an owner in Trevor Hemmings who absolutely adores this race. So, yeah, he's... He, 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 He's hard to look beyond, isn't he, Dom? He certainly is. I think you're right, especially with uh, with Tiger Roll uh, obviously out of the frame now. Uh, and, and the way he won at Cheltenham, I think he he may have had Trevor Hemmings running for the hills if uh, if they'd have supplemented him. But uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But uh, I think, as you say, at this point in time, uh, Cloth Capper a very worthy favourite. And if he if he runs a, a similar race, uh, you know, like he did in the uh, in the Labrook Trophy, he could em- uh, you know emulate many clouds from. Good few years ago, couldn't he? So uh, I think at this yeah. point in time, I would I would certainly agree with you, um, Charlie. It, it's been uh, another fantastic episode. Um, like I say, we we, uh, we were unfortunate to lose Ollie kind of early on, but hopefully the uh, the listeners have, have, have had a, a few good sort of words and thoughts of his heading uh, heading to Aintree in just over two weeks' time. And uh, obviously, no doubt we'll catch up soon uh, with you, Charlie. Before then, look forward to it, Don. Take care, mate. And you, mate.